This is Bluebird Integrative Pediatrics Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry Standing. Join me as I connect with other professionals whose work parallels my own. Parents wonder if they have what it takes to make their kids healthy. I believe that they do. Tune in while I talk to my guests as we explore integrative and functional medicine topics as they relate to kids. Hi, I'm here today with Heidi Kroner, who's the CEO of Aspire Academy, and she's an expert at teaching kids um, with issues around dyslexia about reading, spelling, writing, and so I'm really excited to have a conversation with her today. Welcome. Thanks, Dr. Sandy. (laughs) Tell me a little about how you started out in this field. Sure. Um... So I had a really bright son who was very mechanical, and he reminded me a lot of my brothers. And uh, just when he was three and four, just putting together skeletons, building with Legos all day, and couldn't wait to get to school and learn how to read. And um, first two years of school, reading was not coming as easy as it should have been, especially because I kept thinking, his mom has a master's, his dad is a dentist. <laughs> I thought he'd learn how to read pretty quick. But then I started to remember my mechanical, artistic, genius brothers also had a difficulty learning how to read. And it took one six years to get through college and another one eight years. Mm-hmm. And my mom was still reading down their textbooks in high school. So I thought, ooh, I've got to find out what this is. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be reading my son his textbooks. I don't want him to have to spend eight years in college. So I began searching and everybody wanted to label him with attention deficit disorder. And although I could see attention problems, I felt like it wasn't, he didn't fit very many of the symptoms except for not being able to pay attention in school. So I kept digging and um, picked up a book one day, Dyslexia for Dummies. And they had 44 symptoms in there, and my son had over half the symptoms. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, oh, this is what this is, and it affects reading, it affects spelling. And I was like, that's my brother's. So um, sought some more. I did doctor shop, but I sought some more advice, and um, we tried the ADD medicine. Didn't didn't help him at all. In fact, he got kind of suicidal on it. No. Um crying, all of that. And we began different dyslexia treatments. And finally, I found something called Horton-Gillingham, and that made all the difference in Where the world. Where did you find that? I googled spelling tutor, because I kept thinking, my son can read, he can't spell. And there was only one Horton-Gillingham tutor in all of Des Moines. I met with her. She said, yep, your son meets the profile. This program would work wonderful for him. And we just started going but it was 45 minutes one way. So I had to, you know, pick him up from school, drive him 45 minutes. He'd sit for an hour tutoring. We'd have to drive 45 minutes back home. So that's hard. Like and I every had, week or twice a week? Twice a week. Hmm. Yes. So I would pick him up from, I would prepare the whole day. I'd have the food made. I'd have um, snacks in the car. I'd have DVDs and CDs in the car so we could sing and listen to music. My four-year-old daughter would come with us. I'd pick her up from preschool. 
when he, after three years of doing this and he had been fully remediated and could read really well and spell fine, he said to me, mom, stop bugging me. I don't need your help anymore. And I kept thinking, how many parents in the Des Moines area could do this? So I started channeling my energy that I had spent on getting him remediated to figuring out how to help other parents in the same boat I was in and ended up finding a group called Decoding Dyslexia New Jersey. They had printed a handbook on how to start a Decoding Dyslexia Iowa. And I did that, joined with about 15, 20 other parents, and we started a movement. <laughs> when, when was that? 2013. Oh my goodness, just five years ago. Just five years ago. Mm-hmm. And within the first year, we got 2,000 likes on our Facebook page, passed a law to um, make it more easy for teachers to learn about dyslexia and for kids to get help in schools. But the programs still weren't in the schools. And we had filled up every Orton-Gillingham tutor in the state. And we really saw a lack of services for children with dyslexia and getting this research-based reading program. So me and a couple of the mothers started True Potential Education out in West Des Moines. Um, we banded together with another lady. Her name is Elizabeth Hawksberg, and she runs Apple Apples of Gold in Ankeny, Pella, Oskaloosa, and Knoxville, and Newton. She showed us how to start these dyslexia centers. <laughs> and um, you found some powerful people, didn't you? Yeah. Including yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I eventually started Aspire Academy in Irvindale to just keep bringing these services closer so parents aren't driving 45 minutes one way. Oh, that's great. What a good story. Um, what? Tell us about a little more about what the process is and what so usually kids, what families can expect when they come to see you, like how it works. Yes, no problem. So um, when you notice that your child is having a reading problem, it can be caused by vision, it can be caused by lack of attention, or it could be caused by um, what they call dyslexia, a language-based learning disorder. 80% of kids who struggle with reading have dyslexia, but the schools don't screen for it because it's an educational diagnosis, usually by a PhD. What I do is I screen for it. So the International Dyslexia Association says that if you have more than 10 symptoms on a 44 symptom checklist, you should be screened. So on my website, what I usually do is when parents call me or they see my Facebook ad or my Facebook blog, I guide them to the checklist. And I say, first take this checklist and see if this could be your your child's issues. And if they check more than 10 symptoms and they've struggled with reading and writing in school, then I say, come on in. And there's two tests that I can give to see if my program will help with your child's reading disorder. I can't diagnose dyslexia, but I can say you have all the warning signs and you would benefit from a Orton-Gillingham reading program. Mm -hmm. So I give them a a test that measures their decoding, spelling, and letter sound abilities. And then I give them a test that measures their phonological processing. Are they using their sounding out part of the brain to read, write, and spell? So if they have problems with decoding and it's linked to not being able to sound words out, 
then I know that the Orton-Gillingham program would work. Mm -hmm. Then I also know that the child is highly likely to have dyslexia, so then I also refer them to an educational psychologist or a neuropsychologist and say, you don't have to get the full evaluation and diagnosis, but you should. <laughs> good idea. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. it would be a good idea. Mm -hmm. And um, and then if they want to start tutoring, I introduce the parent. Oh, so I do the testing. Then I write you a report, and I have the parents come back in, and I explain to the parents, this is what I see. Yes, this program would benefit you, or no, this program wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to waste their time and money, the child's time and money, and the child's time, and then even the tutor's time. If the program's not going to work for the child, it doesn't work with no, the tutor. It doesn't serve anybody, does it? No. no. So my goal is to find out, will this work? And then I, I walk the parents through, will this work or won't it work? And then if it doesn't, I'll give them resources to other people. But if it does, then we recommend tutoring. I show them why the program works. And then we, we begin the process twice a week for usually two to three years. Mm -hmm. And what I know it's a lengthy and detailed program, but can you describe a little bit about what Orton Gillingham is is or yeah yeah I call it phonics on steroids <laughs> because these children are having problems accessing the sounding out part of their brain and if you said to a little child that needed this program say the word camp and they'd say camp now say the word camp without the mm sound most of them would not be able to say it's cap mm -hmm. they would not be able to take that m out because they couldn't tell that the M was the third sound. Oh. They wouldn't be able to say, okay, the, the word camp has four sounds in it, and the M sound is the third, so I take it out, and I put the other three letters together, and it says cap. That's too difficult for them. And that's what's causing them the problem with reading. That's why they'll spell was a saw. That's why they'll spell does, D-O-S-E. That's why they'll spell um, a lot of words in the wrong, the letters are in the wrong order. Mm -hmm. They're trying to memorize a word like we would memorize a phone number. The letters sounds don't make a lot of sense to them and don't come automatic. Hmm. So the Orton Gillingham program teaches them how to do this in 10 different steps in an hour. And the 10 different steps work all the different areas of the brain that they're not using. And it's teaching them how to use those areas of the brain, how to access those so that they become a more proficient reader. Hmm. We will help kids from kindergarten through high school. Um, we get a lot of kids who are in sixth grade still reading at a first, second grade level. We get a lot of kids in high school who might be reading at a fifth, sixth grade level. It looks like they're reading, but they're still behind their peers. They're still struggling. And these programs help all of those kids mm -hmm. um, become better readers and mm -hmm. easier at reading. Wow, somebody who's a genius to figure that out. Yeah, Dr. Orton from the University yeah. of Iowa. <laughs> he was a neurologist, and then he worked with a linguist, uh, Anna Gillingham, who knew the science behind why English is spelled the way it is. And so they based their program on how the brain works and reads, and what they thought was being deficient in that child, or not deficient, but not being used in that child's brain, and then coupled it with how is English spelled? What is the 
orthography? What are the rules? What is the language? And typically we don't teach that in school. We teach whole word and recognizing those words by um, the first letter, the context, and not how the word is structured. Hmm. Well, I'm old enough that when I, we did learn phonics. Yes, I, I did loved too. it. Yes, me too. Like it just made so much sense. Yeah. But I mean, I it might not make sense if you had dyslexia, but I just thought it was a great way to teach me to read. Yes. Orthography. What'd you say? Orthography. Orthography. I've never heard that word before. Yeah, it's a difficult word, and what it means is the pattern which which we spell things. So oh. like the word fudge, we don't spell it F-U-J. We spell it F-U-D-G-E. And it has a long history about the D-G-E, but we spell fudge, badge, bridge, edge, all of those words that way. And a lot of whole word learners can see that word fudge, see that word badge, remember the D-G-E, and say, oh, D-G-E says J. But my dyslexic kids won't pick up on the orthography, and that doesn't come naturally to them. So we're having to teach them that DGE says J, and then we may practice those words for two or three weeks, reading bridge and fudge and edge and ledge and all of that. And that may take them a couple weeks to learn. And on average, a typical reader may only need two days. They may just need once. And they catch what is called the orthography. But for a dyslexic kid, orthography doesn't come natural. Huh. Do you love to read about words and things? Like, I'm thinking of the a woman that I heard on NPR. She wrote a book called Eat, Shoots, and Leaves. Oh, yes, I but hear like, her. <laughs> do, I, you, do you love things like that? I do now. I would say before I taught these dyslexic kids, I would say, no, it didn't interest me at all. But when you're teaching a kid who is constantly asking you, why is it spelled that way? Why did they not use a J? Why did they use the D-G-E? And I was always taught in business, you'll say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a book called Spell It Out. Why is it spelled that way? And he goes through the history of English spelling. Oh. And I always tell people it's a snoozer, but if you read one chapter a night before you go to bed you will fall asleep. (laughs) But it allowed me to answer all my students' questions about how we got the oddball spelling rules we did in English. Uh So DGE was before the J was invented. J, the original Roman alphabet in 1000 AD, when they decided to spell English, had 24 letters. X and J were not in the alphabet until the 1400s. And so to spell J, they would pair a G with an E or an I or a Y. Oh. And then when they went to spell fudge or edge, you couldn't spell it E-G-E because then it would say eeg. It'd be a silent (laughs) E word. So then somebody said, well, it kind of sounds like it has a D in it. Let's put the D in there and then we'll say edge. (laughs) And they used the D-G-E to represent the J sound at the end of words. Huh. When they said they're short sound, because then you got huge, huge is silent E. It needs, it, it gets all complex. But what I've come to notice about all of these dyslexic kids, they are extremely intelligent, just as intelligent as everybody else. 
but they're always asking why and they're mm-hmm. so logical and so for them they need to know the rules to decode yeah. they need to know why some people say well there's too many rules and I'm like no these kids love the rules yes. and they're fascinated by the rules and then they love to look at words and say well it's not following the rule why is it not following the rule uh-huh. and so sometimes I have to say I don't know I'll see if I can find out and sometimes I'll say there's no reason it just breaks the rule and sometimes mm-hmm. there is a history oh that's so that makes it fun it does it does I and every student has a brings a unique uh perspective to reading writing and spelling and challenge me every day yeah it's they're each unique yes well I have another question too about you know doing integrated medicine i think a lot about diet and sleep, mindfulness, screen time, like what observations have you made or what recommendations do you give to families around any of those things? For families, um, we, I recommend a couple things. Um, one, we like to space out the program. It needs to be two hours a week, twice a week, but usually not two days in a row because your brain needs to store and process what you've learned. Because this is very brain-based and we know via scientific studies, fMRIs, we know we're growing neurons from the right side of the brain to the sounding out part of the brain, it really helps to have a good night's sleep, to drink a little bit of water before to go to bed and to space that out. It it makes a big difference. And you have to have it twice a week because you have to have the repetition. So I tell parents spacing it out and sleep and a good diet is all helping that child as they're building those new neural pathways. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Um, Screen time, you know, that's just, we're a society that's wrestling with that. And we're all wrestling with that we're addicted to our phones and we're all spending too much time. Um, But in some ways, I feel like we are reading more because we're reading all those texts, we're reading all those Facebook, we're reading all those articles we find. And I feel like reading, the inability to read is becoming more of a disability because we're so hooked to our electronics Mm -hmm. that parents are panicking even more now Mm -hmm. when children aren't at grade level reading because Mm -hmm. they can't even do those social things that are required with the... With the texting and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or reading everybody's Facebook posts, things like that. So it's, yeah. It's what it is. It's what it is. Mm -hmm. And for kids who aren't reading at grade level, listening audiobooks is so important because the average teacher can teach 3,000 new vocabulary words a year. But the average person in in school needs to learn 10,000 new vocabulary words a year. And you can only get that 7,000 gap by reading. That's why schools want kids to read 20 minutes a day. It's to build that vocabulary. When you can't read, you can't access those extra 7,000 words. So if you're listening, you can. When the dyslexic child, I'll get them to the point where they can decode everything but if they've never heard the word before and they can read it, they still don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. So getting, keeping that vocabulary gap, um, cl- opening it up, giving them the audiobooks until 
they can read that word is so important to keep that vocabulary building so that when we get to those big, big words, they they've know what, heard it. They've heard it. They know what it means. And they're not um, decoding nautical and not knowing that it means something to do with the ocean and sailing. Yeah. Yeah. I've also read studies about kids' language development and that there's a lot of advantage to being around adults having a lot of conversations when they're young. Do you yes. And I agree uh, that, with that. The audiobook reminded me of that. Uh -huh. So we all need to read to our children to build that vocabulary. And, and they can show all these studies that show that kids who have that enriched environment have a better vocabulary. For the dyslexic child, there's two things that can happen. It can make them milder so that they have this rich vocabulary. They can express themselves well because they have that. But some dyslexic children are more severe, and they call it a language learning disability. I have met other kids with dyslexia who are still in an enriched environment who haven't grabbed onto that vocabulary. And it's because at its heart, when they study dyslexia, it's a language learning disability. And so some kids won't grab hold to that enriched environment. And so for some, it may, it didn't help, even yeah. though the parents tried. Uh -huh. But for the most part, my belief is it makes them milder, all of them, whether they're severe or not. I see. Yeah. But if you come from a language-rich environment and your child is still struggling to read, that is a big, big sign. So like I have students who's dad's a software engineer, mom's a professor at Drake. He's in seventh grade. He's in advanced math going up to the high school. Still hasn't been able to read a chapter book ever. Mm -hmm. School keeps saying he's fine. He'll catch up. He's not fine. He's not going to get through college. Yes, he might be mild. He might be able to talk about everything. But that sign that he can't get through that chapter book He's it's struggling. A problem. Uh -huh. It is, and he's not going to succeed. Mm -hmm. And after two years of tutoring, we've gotten him through book. We're going to get him through book twelve. He can um, read chapter books now. Um, yeah, he's going to be able to handle college. Hopefully, that kid will get a master's degree or a PhD someday. But he mm -hmm. wouldn't if if his parents wouldn't have been concerned and investigative. And there's such esteem issues around knowing how to read aren't there oh huge uh -huh. a lot of our parents first go to doctors for stomach aches anxiety um and just medical issues because school is so stressful headaches um, migraines those types of issues and people that's why it's important for everybody to know what dyslexia is because if you can't read in school if you are behind kids know that and and they're feeling like they're falling behind and they're feeling like I'm failing at the most important thing that mom and my teachers want mm -hmm. my teachers want me to do good my mom and dad want me to do good and I can't do good. Yeah. And they're stressed. They're getting headaches. They're getting stomach aches. I will have these kids come in and they're very anxious. Mm -hmm. 
or they're not paying attention. Attention's another thing. They're doing everything but paying attention to the teacher. The teacher says, well, that's why they can't read. They're not paying attention. It's the other way around. It's the other way around. They can't read, so they don't pay attention. Uh-huh. So two things I see. I see kids after about six months in this program sit up straighter, sit up taller, and don't feel as anxious. I see other kids who all of a sudden, they can pay more attention. They can listen to what the teacher says, and they're not just improving in reading, but all subjects. Mm-hmm. And then I see some children who can't learn unless they have some ADD medicine because they just can't even pay attention long enough in this hour. Mm -hmm. So I've seen all of it, but I see a lot of changes in behavior and self-esteem with this program. After a year, their posture is different. Who they hang out with in school is different. I had one grandma say, my, my grandson developed a personality. He used to only follow his brother and like everything and do everything his brother liked, his older brother. And now that he can read, he has his own interests. He doesn't feel like he has to play with his friends. He's developed his own friends. He feels confident. He doesn't complain about going to school anymore. And, and it's because now he feels comfortable. Wow, that's really great. Yeah, really great. Really great what you're doing. And it... Um, you know, there's more and more research about neuroplasticity and how we can change. Like, I think this is just another example of that, that our brain isn't fixed when we're born, that we can change pathways and change mm-hmm. the, the way our brain works. And you're living proof of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Stanford and Harvard and Boston Children's Hospital, they put those little kids under these fMRI machines and they can see the non-dyslexic is reading with the left side of the brain and the right... The children with dyslexia are the right side of the brain is lighting up, not the left side. And they're trying to read the words as pictures. And so we know we need to teach them how to access that other area of the brain. Uh And after they do two years of this program, they can see the left side lighting up. Wow. Oh, that's great. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about that we didn't cover or? No, just if you're concerned your child showing reading and spelling issues, they're showing, you know, attention, anxiety, go out to my website, it's aspireiowa.com, and look for my dyslexia screening, because it's just 44 symptoms, you check them off, and you can, it'll tell you at the end how many you checked off. So that's the best way to find you? That's the best way to find, go to my website, Mm aspireiowa.com, and, um, and not all kids have it, but, 80% 80% of kids who are struggling with reading do, and um, and it shows up as early as preschool, mm-hmm. and it's never too late to get help. We help lots. Probably the most common age we have is seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, mm-hmm. and then um, and then the first and second. But um, we get a lot of seventh, eighth, and ninth graders who are tired of special ed and say, "Mom, I belong here." Yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Thank you so much. You've reached the end of another episode of Bluebird Integrative Pediatrics Radio with Dr. Sherry Standing. Thanks for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at bluebirdintegrativepediatrics.com. It would mean the world to me if you could leave a review at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you.